Hello, you're listening to The Raphael Letters. My name is Gabriel Dantes, and today I'll be reading a letter from the Archangel Raphael to a guardian angel named Shario, who's protecting a young woman named Sarah. Today in Raphael Letter number 14, the Archangel is writing about how experiencing the transcendental realities of truth, beauty, and goodness can help lead Sarah into prayer. After the letter, we'll read through meditation questions to help us better internalize the spiritual truths contained within the letter. Stay tuned on Sundays for new episodes, and be sure to click the follow button to not miss out. And if you do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. And if you really enjoy it, then please consider contributing financially to it. Unfortunately, it's not free to keep a podcast going. If you want to make sure this podcast keeps running, consider contributing to the podcast on Patreon at the link in the show notes. It's only $2 per month to join, and you will be able to listen to the podcast a whole two weeks before everyone else. And there are other fun perks. Anyways, enough with that. Let's get to the letter. Without further ado, let us read Raphael Letter number 14 on Truth, Beauty, and Goodness. Most Beloved Shariel, while Sarah is away from her beloved because she has rejected his law, there are still many ways that she can encounter God in her life, and I would have you know of those ways that you might lead her to those. For we desire that, quote, God might be all in all. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-eight. We long for the day when his light pervades all living things. Know that if Sarah should encounter truth, beauty, or goodness in the people or in the world around her, then she will encounter Christ himself, veiled under that gaze. For Christ is the eternal word, the golden letters of that eternal word made visible. Those letters proclaim all truth, breathe out all beauty, and emanate all goodness. And there is nothing good in the world of men that does not participate in the glory of that eternal word. Thus, if Sarah should, for instance, read a philosophical or psychological text speaking about virtue, friendship, or happiness, and understand the reality that is spoken about, she will encounter the eternal word and perceive in some veiled way that he has been imprinted onto the hearts of men from before the dawn of time. And she may perceive that God has placed in her heart the desire for happiness. And in time, perhaps, she will see that the only fulfillment of this desire is found in Christ himself, who has stamped himself onto her heart. If Sarah does find the contemplation of such things of interest, then lead her to encounter the truth that is before her. If Sarah is more drawn to the goodness of people and things, then lead her to this. Lead her to experience that which will draw up her soul to heaven. Lead her to delight in good food. That is, of course, to say, lead her to the slow enjoyment of true delight, not the devouring of delight that is a mere gorging of the senses. 
Lead her to experience the goodness found in friendships and relationships. For if she can see that love, for instance, is a reality that transcends the two people who are in friendship, then perhaps you might also lead her to see that this love which she yearns for is God himself. And if she should experience the absence of that love, perhaps she might begin to see what true love would consist of. Then perhaps she might see that there is a love that does meet her deepest desires. Finally, if Sarah is drawn towards beauty, then lead her to it. If she yearns to behold art and music and stories and contemplate the, the marvels of her world through that means, then lead her all the more to those experiences. If she loves watching Broadway shows that speak about love and human suffering, then perhaps she, she will hear those words which proclaim that, quote, to love another person is to see the face of God. Perhaps she might see in those words and in that scene a longing for such a love that draws her up to God, who she has forgotten. In every single one of these moments, you will see that the enemy will do everything in his power to distract her from the reality of his goodness. When she tastes a good piece of chocolate instead of slowly enjoying it, the enemy will tell her to gorge herself on it. Then, when she conceives of an idea that is leading her to think critically about the world and her God, the enemy will distract her with some other need or craving or desire. And when she begins to encounter the beauty of a noble story, the enemy will tell her to look at all the colors rather than encounter the reality that is beyond the colors you will notice that in this contains what is called the threefold concupiscence by which Satan tempted the father of mankind. And it is by this threefold concupiscence that Satan's minions today still tempts God's children. These are called the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. God's children are often inclined to one of these, and after a bit of careful examination, I'm sure you will see which one of these Sarah is most inclined to. I will describe them each below that you might have some clarity in your examination of Sarah. First, there is the lust of the eyes, which is the temptation to see beauty superficially without seeing that this beauty is in fact an image of the eternal word himself. To use the human analogy, it is like the child who is mesmerized by a handful of coins, not understanding that the wrinkled up $100 bill is worth far, far more. The child sees something good there, but it cannot understand the real value. So also with humans who look at beautiful things without seeing real value that is there. 
the human who walks past a homeless person without seeing their value is very much like that child who sees a wrinkled hundred dollars and thinks it is worthless. If Sarah is inclined to this, you will notice that she will be drawn to become addicted to things such as flashy clothes, money, expensive items, pretty music videos, and things that lead to prestige in the eyes of others. While these things are not in themselves evil, if Sarah is easily tempted by them, she will seek them as ends in themselves, rather than as a means of adorning the temple of her body. Second, there is the lust of the flesh, which is the temptation to delight in what is good superficially, without seeking that it is only good because God spoke it into existence, and receiving it as an outpouring gift. It is as if a man would try to grasp a stream of water and shove it down his throat, as a human can only receive the water by opening his hands to it, so too the human who does not receive goodness of the world around him with an open heart is doomed to remain forever empty. But if this human opens his heart to the goodness and receives it as a gift, God will bless that person. And perhaps, by your prayers, Sarah, in such a moment, might see that gift as coming from God. If Sarah is inclined to this, you will notice that Sarah will become addicted to things such as food, sex, alcohol, or any number of things that would give her immediate physical gratification. Again, these are not in themselves evil, but when she seeks these as the solution to her emptiness, she will be left still far emptier. Thirdly, there is the pride of life, which is the temptation to know truth without recognizing that truth is a person who revealed in his crucified body that humans were made for love. Trying to know truth without wisdom is like a man who proudly proclaims that he has a library filled with the best books in the world. But then he walks back into his library without a light because he thinks he does not need one. He may have all the wisdom of the world at his fingertips, but he doesn't see the words and recognize that those words may change his life if only he would listen to them. In this analogy, wisdom is the light which gives meaning to his abundance of empty knowledge. It is for this reason that many bishops are in hell, believing that they could teach about the mysteries of love but never care to bend down before a homeless person. If Sarah is inclined towards this, you will notice that she will pride herself on her knowledge, and she will love to pierce into the complex ideas and theories, all the while abandoning her call to love God and her neighbor. This is the deadliest enemy of them all, 
and the one that leaves the person hardened to conversion. Look for these opportunities. If you should successfully lead Sarah to experience truth, beauty, or goodness in a meaningful way, it will be as if Sarah had spent the entire time in prayer. For God would reveal himself to her under the veil of those three. I pray that in time she might know him without that veil and see the great love that he has for her. Servant of his healing spirit, Raphael. I hope you enjoyed this letter titled, On Truth, Beauty, and Goodness. In it, we learned about the three ways that we can encounter God apart from prayer. The point of these letters is to bring some spiritual awareness to what is going on all around us, to help us enter more fully into these letters and the unique themes. I've composed the following meditation questions, which you can find in the show notes. While I encourage you to write down your answers to these questions in a notebook to help you engage in them, I recognize that not everyone has the time or freedom to do that. So if that's the case, then as you listen, I recommend paying particular attention to your answers, perhaps saying them out loud if you are alone, or repeat them to yourself in your mind. The purpose of this is in order to create greater awareness of our guardian angels throughout the day and the week that we might do what St. Paul encouraged us to do. Pray without ceasing. Let us reflect on those questions. What is the spiritual reality that I am now more aware of having read this letter? What is something I wish I could say to my guardian angel right now? Is there something specifically I could thank them for 